0: Welcome to The Goddess and the Medicine Woman with Melissa McHugh and Sydney Decker. In this episode, we have a conversation with author Suzanne Anderson about loss, grief, and depth of emotion on the soul's journey. Claiming the path that opens up before us, come on in and join the conversation. Hi, Sydney Decker.
1: Hi, Melissa McHugh.
0: How's it going today?
1: Good. Um, First, I just want to say congratulations on the opening of your wellness center. I thank to put that you, out there. thank you very much. We're so excited. We're
0: we're so oh, we we had it yesterday our open house, and we just felt so blessed and just so just like wow, this really happened. You know, it, it hasn't been a really long journey from where we started to talk about and dream about the center. We met one another, you know, just if I think it was like a year ago. And then we started to talk about the center, and then we just started moving towards it. And now we've been open for almost a month now, and it's like we just had our our open house ribbon-cutting ceremony yesterday, and so many people showed up to support us, and it's just going really well. And um,
1: yeah, so it's very cool. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that we celebrated that at the beginning. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, today-
0: Speaking of celebration, we're going to celebrate with a um, guest today, and our guest is named Suzanne Anderson, and Suzanne is the founder of The Mysterial Woman. A uh, She's a psychologist, an author, a coach, a leadership consultant, and transformational teacher, and her pioneering work in guiding others to awaken their full feminine and masculine strengths combines insights and practices from ancient wisdom depth psychology, and modern neuroscience. She's dedicated the past 30 years to decoding an embodied integral and accelerated archetypal pathway to unlock the next level of our innate potential. Ooh, that was a lot of big words. (laughs) I had to say one right after another. (laughs) Love it. Combining her um, graduate studies in women's development, Psychology, Uh, together with her decades as a leadership consultant, Suzanne wisely guides women to awaken to their next level of consciousness and leadership capacity, making the changes in themselves they want to shape in the world. I love that. Absolutely love that. Um, uh, She facilitates global online programs, workshops, and retreats, and is the co-author of the triple award-winning book, The Way of the Mysterial Woman, Upgrading How You Live, Love, and Lead. Um, And she's, she's got quite um, an interesting story. Um, She has another book that we're going to talk about today. And um, now she wrote this Mysterial, Mysterial Woman book. And it says, just as she and her co author had completed the first draft of their book and were ready to launch new programs, um, her husband committed suicide. And within a few months, everything she had held most precious was cleaved away like a giant iceberg falling into the sea, and she was standing on the edge of a very new life. She experienced how the way of the mysterious Woman held up and this transformational journey cemented her commitment to making this pathway available to as many people as possible. And now her new book, You Make Your Path by Walking, a transformational field guide through trauma and loss, describes how her shattering, breaking apart, was also a profound breaking through to a deeper experience of her true nature. And, yeah, that's a, a lot of uh, really deep stuff. And I really want to get into um, talking about that um, book. And I'd like to know, just to start us off, um, what does the title of that book mean to you you make your path by walking yeah hi
2: Suzanne hi hello to both of you and um I agree that's a mouthful of an introduction so I you know like who is this person and we will find out here together um who I am I guess but uh the title of the book and often it's the case that the title of a book when you're a writer kind of comes later and I kept wondering when I'd written the, the first draft what what do I call it? What's the title? And then when I looked back over what I'd written, the line that I kept seeing again and again was, I'm making my path by walking. And it was like a, a cadence, like a rhythm. Like I just kept saying that line. And um, that started right after my husband died very uh, tragically, obviously by suicide. And, um, and, and it comes from one of my favorite poems by Antonio Machado, who is a Spanish poet. Uh, it's a beautiful poem that basically speaks about what it is to be in your life where the past is gone. It's He says it's only, it's the ship's wake on the sea. It's like you can see some trail of it, but it's gone. And here you are now, and you do not know what's ahead. And there is no, a path, you know. There's no. You can't follow anybody else's trail. It's like what you unfold in your life is really up to you. Um, and there's a beautiful sense there of uh, claiming the very moment you're in, and that's something very, you know, challenging to do when you're in a very difficult situation. It's like, no, I'm actually making my path by how. I am in this moment. And that determines actually where you end up. So that's, that's where I came from.
1: Yeah. So I have, I'm trying to figure out right now <laughs> where I want to go with this because um, I've been excited to talk to you for some time because I feel like we can relate to each other on certain experiences. So I just want to see like where we want to go with it because my father also took his own life. Mm-hmm. and he passed when i was 20 and so i want to i want to hear your experience in the sense of why you wanted to share it in a book i want to yeah. kind of start there like what is like why did you feel like was that part of like your healing journey um and how you're helping other people with that like obviously you are by writing the book but i just kind of want to see like why you you did that like why you wrote a book about it
2: yeah well thank you first of all for sharing your own experience um which I did not know and yeah that's a path you're on you're you're still you, 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 I mean I don't know how old you are now but um it's probably not that far away 10 years away maybe yeah about
1: maybe. 10 yeah
2: ten, that's, Nine. The, that's the same for me yeah um so that's still you know you're still walking that uh path Absolutely, as, as am I. Um, what I will say, just to tell the story really, is that as you were you were mentioning in the introduction, um, Melissa, I had just finished the writing. We've been 10 years doing research with women in our university women's leadership programs. I'm trying, trying to kind of, what is this next level of potentiality trying to awaken in women? You talk about the goddess and the medicine woman here. You know, it's like some new consciousness is trying to come in whatever we want to call it. I ended up calling it Mysterial because I couldn't find a word to describe it. Um, But something was trying to come in. And what what was that way of being that would be a match for these times? And how do you open the pathway for that? So we just finished writing that and literally the end of 2012. And then my husband took his life at the very beginning of 2013, so the life that I, I thought I was going to be, you know, heading out with this new book and we were going to launch a new program, um, it was a very abrupt shift. And I'm sure, you know, Sydney, in your life, there were things that you know, thought you were going in one direction. All of a sudden, that kind of a of an event just redirects your life. And certainly in my case, because I lived, you know, it was my partner, it was our home, it was everything that we did together. So there was no book in my head, but the only book I had in my head was the one that had yet to come out. And I was very clear that the first thing I needed to do was just live this experience. And that was going to be enough. Like I did not go through it in what I would call with the spiritual bypass. Let me say it like that. Oh, um, and quickly start wanting to write for somebody else or give somebody else the pathway i i had obviously i knew a lot about the work i do is trauma informed developmental work with women so i know something about trauma um yeah but not in these conditions it's like could i really walk this and how would i walk this and and i was just 100% my in that in that unfolding and then about 5 years Probably five years after so quite some time first of all I had to get the first book out and that was that took a year and a half to get back to and that had its own momentum and ended up as you, as you mentioned it did, did very well and had its had a kind of carrier wave with it <clears throat> but about five years on it was more and maybe this was true for you um I I, I did need to write for myself I I went away on writing retreats And um, a friend gave me their beautiful cottage up on uh, one of the islands here in the Pacific Northwest. And I, I just, I have friends on speed dial, you know, so if I needed to get to call someone, I could. But I needed to bring the me then, which was much more resourced, back to be with the me that went through the trauma and the trauma of that first year especially. And so the writing for me was very, very healing, very hard and very healing. But I wasn't seeing it as a book. I still wasn't writing a book for you or for anyone. I was still, you know, just really honoring the experience for myself. And it was a kind of it was enormously integrating for me personally. And then um, after I'd written done a few of these retreats over a course of a couple of years um, for myself, I showed the what I'd written to my the editor from the first book and I just said, you know, take a look at this, see what you think, and, and she got right back to me and said, okay, you've got to do something with this. This is going to be so helpful to others who are going through, and in these midst of these times, it's not just everyone who goes through uh, is a, survives a suicide. So then I thought, all right, all right, and it felt right to me. I mean, it wasn't a given is what I'm trying to say here. It was something that the invitation came from her and that felt that's right. That's, that's right for me to do. And then ended up publishing with the same publisher that did my first book. And then, you know, that's a whole, that was a whole road that went down and it, and it came out in June. So I'm like, I'm just a recent mother of that second book.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's, I noticed that. So within all of that, I mean, I'm trying to find the words. Cause I mean, There's a lot that I want to ask you and I want to try to find it correctly, but I love that you are really open to the consciousness of the woman, you know, of what that journey is like, because I feel like, um, like you said, like, I'm sure it would be different for it to be a husband, but with a father, it kind of did a similar thing to me. It actually woke me up to my feminine, my feminine and my, my power and what the true feminine to me is. And going through that that process of really going and having to process all the emotions around it. And the thing that I want to ask you before I go into, like, your depth of that for yourself um, is what did you notice about the world? Like, this is something that I'm, like, questioning because it's men. You know what I mean? So what what was it for your husband, do you believe— because as I try to, it's not like so much like, why did you do this? But like, there's a there's an energy that's holding that space and inviting men into that darkness is what I'm trying to say. And yeah. so I saw it with my dad. Um, for him, it was definitely struggling with alcoholism and struggling a lot with his own self-hatred and his own guilt. Um, and I know that the alcoholism played a lot into how his brain functioned. But I also just wanted to see, like, if you had to confront his darkness, too, because I had to kind of confront my dad's and start to say, like, what what's the ocean that allowed this? You know what I mean? Like what what was his struggle
2: and what yeah.
1: was mine in it? And if you get what I'm asking,
2: I absolutely do. Yeah, I think it's very you're very articulate around it. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, there's a, there's a sort of you're asking two questions, and one is a more global way I see it, and, and in the first book, the Wave of the mystery, when I kind of lay some of this out, like where I think we are culturally, and the the wave of this the sort of well, let's call it the churning ocean of the evolutionary moment we're in right now, um, which has to do with this, you know, just like Einstein said, um, you know, you can't solve the problems of today with the consciousness that created them yesterday, we've all mm-hmm. heard that quote, right? That's just saying we've got to develop in some way. There has to be, the next consciousness has to come online that gives us the capacity to be with the complexity of the world we have. And that's where we are right now. And we've been inside a five, about 5,000 years of a, of a masculine paradigm of wholeness, which I don't view as being wrong, by the way. It was evolution's move forward. And that that's ending now. Now, whenever there's a wave, that's uh, that's a long time for souls. That means there's a deep coding down in our DNA uh, around what now is more toxic masculine in men and women. And so there's a kind of, you know, the the rising of the feminine, not to go backwards, not to go back to the goddess times, actually, but to bring some of those elements from the past, yes, into this consciousness today, and that's a very powerful and very tricky time. And a lot of women, as I know from the work I do, are in the kind of churning up of these times, you know, where things are, it's like we're being asked to grow to to midwife ourselves. And we don't know that, you know, we don't necessarily have that information from culture. So it seems like I've made a mistake or I'm doing something wrong or whatever. And then men, you know, are obviously very much a part of this too. And there's a deep um, shift in, the their their power and the the sort of inner operating system of the patriarchy is changing. Men are also being invited into their hearts in a new way, being invited to kind of really shift from the the ways they've been with power to, to power with and and I think for my husband, so to get specific now, that's sort of as I said there's more I write about this in other places, but um for, for David, he was a very conscious man. He has a deep meditation practice and had access to many levels of, I'd say, uh, being beyond this manifest world. Wasn't afraid of dying from that perspective. And um, But in the time that I was with him, he was not a depressed man. So I did not experience, as you might have had with your father I did not experience that. Now earlier in his life he'd been in some of those depressive episodes, but I didn't know him in that period and and he spoke about them as things that were part of his past. He'd been suicidal back way back in those early 20s. Um, but again, they were stories that he told as we might all talk about ways we've grown our out of a personality in 20 and we're someone else now. And um and then in October, so he died in January, so October of that year before uh he started to get the tinnitus. so tinnitus is this kind of screeching sound in the head you know it you know familiar <laughs> with it yeah and apparently, I mean I, I I I mean you can have different levels of it and many of us as we get older, we start to hear it and get some of that tinnitus, but it can also be absolutely crazy making in that it's like someone just with nails down the blackboard and And he started to get that, and so that meant he couldn't get into some of these high states of meditation, which is part of the way he handled a very kind of an empire that he'd created. We had a very large and incredible property on an island near here, which he'd he'd brought over antique uh, houses from Indonesia, temples. It was like going into, it was like walking onto Bali, you know, a, a property in Bali, Indonesia. It was extraordinary. And we did retreats there. And there was a whole life. It was like his creative art project. And then he ran a, an Indonesian antique furniture um, business here in Seattle, had a workshop in Java in Indonesia. And it was quite, he was, you know, had this big empire. but, but okay. What became out later for me was to really understand the magnitude of the financial mismanagement, I'll say, you know, basically he built castles in the air, you know, mm-hmm. and so, I think the screeching tinnitus and this business was about to come down. And he was a very, yeah, you know, deeply spiritual man who felt like he'd really, people saw him that way, it came to him to talk about how do you live so consciously and spiritually and have this amazing world. And there was, an, I think, an enormous amount of shame. And I do think shame, as we know this from the research in terms of of suicide, and for many men, um, there is this this undergirding of shame, like some way in which they haven't been able to metabolize that. and uh, and it 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 becomes a swamp that just takes them out. and i and I do believe that those are the big factors for David,
0: yeah, that's interesting that you say that because, of course, I knew Sydney's dad and he was very spiritual. And it seems to me like these men who are spiritual, um, they also might not have outlets for this. And especially um, 10 years ago when he was kind of involved in some of these things and he had these ideas and he had all of, you know, these things that he wanted to do. But no one was really there with him and other men certainly were not there with him. And he was a little bit shunned, um, in our family for being different. And, you know, I was just talking to his son actually yesterday. And it's interesting that you're talking about like going back in and taking some of the past and bringing it forward though, with us that there are elements. Um, we were talking about like different tribal, uh, ways and how men would often, yes, they could be men, but they would also allow themselves to sit in these circles mm-hmm. and have support in all ways. And right. so that if we could kind of look back into bringing that with us, it does, I don't want people to go backwards into how it used to be. I'm not one of those proponents, but moving forward with some of these things that we know were supportive for people and especially men um, into a new well, way. Men and women of being because, well, yeah. sure, yeah. Because-
2: things and i write about this in the book that i used a lot was ritual
0: yes mm-hmm. reason yeah. i with
2: ritual i teach ritual in the work that i do with women it's like a lost language you obviously know that in the title of your podcast so it is a language that weaves together the conscious and the unconscious that evokes the imaginal that brings the head the heart and the heart together so we absolutely need ritual and i knew you go through something like this there is the potent um, ritual process that David could have had access to. I mean, it's a thing I do. He knows about. It. He knew about that, you know. Um, but my, I used it to heal those of us that were left. We started right at the very beginning, for example, creating in the temple a um, a place because it was closer to the to the road. People could walk up the driveway without me having to see them. Um, we put pictures of David and singing bowls. And a little uh, kind of tree that people could put blessings on, and people could just come and sit, and and be in meditation because it was so shocking for everyone. He was he was like the he was such a charming, and he 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 held a lot for a lot of a lot of people. And then um, uh, shortly after David died, about two weeks maybe, I called together the community, basically of the family members that would come. This is not all familiar for all of them. And uh, the people that were close in to me and to us as a couple. And we did, I don't know if you know Michael Mead and his work. He's, he, he's on the West Coast too. He actually lives on the same island. But he's written many books um, and, and works with ritual and with men um, and is, is a ritual elder. I mean, uh, he's really one of the ones left, I think. And he he held this. Asked him if he would facilitate the ritual, and people came, and we all sat together, and it was a time for people. It's a this is something based on the work of Joanna Macy. You may know her work. Um, No, well, it's it's basically being congruent. Basically, you bring what you're feeling, so that you can be congruent with what you're feeling. You know, your anger or your grief or your fear or whatever it is. and I'll just say this one, tell you this one thing at the beginning, the way we started the ritual, and this just is an example, I think of the potency of a ritual. It, I had this beautiful vase, um, not vase, uh, bowl, that, that David was a collector of many antiques, and this was a very precious antique from China. And it had just a tiny chip missing out of it. And at a certain point as we began, I was standing in front of the fireplace on a stone hearth, and one of my dear friends um, who was in the the shamanic tradition? She was rattling like just this incredibly intense rattling, and I'm I'm sure you know about the rattling with the medicine woman as part of your title here. Um, and when it got to that sort of fever pitch that it can happen that can happen when the, the shamanic rattles are moving, I just smashed this bowl on the hearth, and it broke into a million pieces. And the whole room, I mean, myself, everything just went, it was like, this is the reality that we are not putting this back together again. Like something is over. It's over. Whatever it was, whatever it was for me, my life, our life with David in the center of it, charismatic kind of guy that he was, it's over. And now we begin. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. And what was your process after that then for, I mean, this is something that I know when you lose someone, um, especially when it comes to them taking their own life after a point, everyone gets back to their life. You know what I'm saying? Everyone goes back to their life. Even those, like, for example, like my aunt, um, you know, kind of goes back to her life and, even I felt like a little, not so I, it's like interesting with my mom, but I was left alone with it. Is what I'm saying.
2: Were you after that time?
1: So I had actually just stopped living with him. Okay. Um, so I lived with him for a few months and I had decided to come, um, to Duquesne. So I think I wasn't living with him for about eight months. So I, I had moved to Pittsburgh. So Uh, I had decided he actually wanted me to stay closer to home so there's like some things in that where I feel and I had to like push to get out here where I live now and I've left lived for a while um but that was actually like a beautiful time was when I lived with him he was sober and we really deeply connected like in so many ways actually just it's so funny that we're having this it's not funny anymore it's just like it's like the universe is just miraculous I sat a lot with my dad over this past weekend actually and I put him in my energy field for the first time in a long time just to see how I would react. Yeah. And um I went to his bedroom and I sat in his bedroom from when the last I knew him. And I just like tears and tears and tears and tears of all the things that and at that time I was so insecure in myself. So I couldn't say a lot of the things that I wanted to say to him. But it's like you get left everyone, you know, like they check in on you a little bit more because it's a little bit more of a traumatic, abrupt ending. You know what I'm saying? But then you get brought to your yourself and you get left with it and you're by yourself. And so for me, it was very terrifying at first. Um, I I had a lot of tantrums. I had a lot of crying. I had a lot of just, I couldn't connect with anyone. Um, I kind of felt like, I had a whole shot through me. Like, you know what I'm saying? I, I just felt so deeply like that where it got better. Um, I mean, I, sometimes I still feel alone with it because I think I'm supposed to, cause that was a relationship that me and him only really understood. So I just kind of wanted to see like your process, because like I said, that brought me home more to myself. And right. so when everyone kind of gave you that space, like, what was that like for you?
2: Well, I think, first of all, I'll say I really understood, and it's something I I teach, the potency of a feminine field, or let's say, say a field, a field of love. And that, and so I was very deliberate about that from the very beginning. And I had a lot of people come in close. I had a very tight circle of women from the work that I do, where I'd been the teacher for them, that they all came in. Around me, I had one of them staying with me, off and on for a month or so, and then my family members who live all over the world—they took turns coming from wherever they lived, and spending a week. So there was always somebody around. In fact, I—I I, um, had a girlfriend, different girlfriends, sleeping with me in my bed for a, quite a period of time. Like I could feel until I w- until I could feel like I would be ready for something to be in my own space, but I was sort of monitoring that in myself and the, I was very, very fortunate. It was a huge part of my own stabilizing and, and it's something to anybody listening. I'd say um, even one good friend that understands you actually need a resonant field because you're shattered, right? The person in my case, I was absolutely shattered. And you want to resonate with something because you're going to resonate with something that's where we're we're beings like tuning forks, you know we're going to resonate with what's around us. And ideally, you're resonating with a field of love that's whole. I mean, yes, everyone's been dealt the same blow. but just the 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 thing with suicide that is very hard is because of the shame, not only the shame, that's baked into often that person leaving, but the shame of what could I have done? You know, what What you know what did I do or could I have done differently? Um, that's a kind of, that sort of, that swamp experience. Often there's an isolating that happens with that. Like, oh, well, I just got to, you know, I'm toxic or I got to go over here. And you could not, I mean, I was watching that and I was so aware of that and um, deliberately kind of working against that impulse to, to isolate. I mean, even I remember, you know, one thing that was part of the actual horror was that David took his life um, two days before the wedding of his niece and his best friend's son. This was, these people were the, the best friend and his son were from Indonesia. They helped, David set up his business in Indonesia and the son was now running his business in Seattle. So he'd introduced them together. He'd introduced his niece and this uh, now son-in-law and all the Indonesians had arrived. So they were all here for the wedding. And, um, I remember, well, so, okay, David died on a Thursday. The wedding was on a Saturday and, um, and i recall that just navigating like am i am i toxic now am i wanted am mm-hmm. i part of you know or should i just disappear am i going to remind everybody of this or like really took something to stay in that conversation i remember one at the at the uh, before the wedding itself because i did decide to go to the wedding and i was just saying what can i do like how can i can i show up i wasn't being a heroic in that sense it was just like can I genuinely do that? And if I can, I wanted to. And I could, and I did. But I remember we were before the wedding, everybody was doing photos. And um I, I I heard the photographer come and call the family in for photos. I was like, and I had my two dear friends with me, and I went into the bathroom and I was just almost in a panic attack. Like we're just really shaking. Like I I, I, I don't want to be in that. I'm just toxic. What did they don't want me in that photo? I'm not they're like. How, what am I doing here, and how am I going to do this and then you know, with their help, their loving presence, just um grounding myself and uh, recognizing first of all, this was not my suicide, this was David's suicide, and I do love them, and I can be a force of love and I remember oh, taking a deep breath and going back out, and um my nephew uh saying, oh, there you are. We've been looking for you for the photos. And, you know, incredibly hard, but just keeping to include myself when all the impulse was to go away. And and I would st- say, um, you know, that that for the first year was a very, I had a lot of people around me. I lived in a community on an island also that where we were very known. And um, so I was very lucky to have people with me and the last thing I'll say about this it's a long-winded question answer is um there was also that moment when you know and I did it incrementally because this is a there's a neuroscience to this and I knew it you know to when I go off by myself and I had remember one time I went to a you know like to do a normal thing to go to a mall you know an outdoor mall here in Seattle and and I one little thing I looked over at some man holding the hand of a woman and I just completely melted down like completely out of nowhere. It's like the wave and this is how it goes. The wave came and I took myself to a bench and I'm just sobbing and called my friend and my, uh, and my, and she said, all right, sweetie, this is great. You know, you're just not quite ready yet, but you've made that first step. You got in the car, you went there, your nervous system's not quite ready for it all. But you're okay, and you know together. I got back the grounding I needed, and and left and went home. You know, so there is something about that. I, I mean, the long winded answer is to, to say it is very hard, and there are ways you can do it in stages mm-hmm. to make your 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 path by walking, ultimately on your own.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Just like listening to both of you with these. You know, similar things that happened, but completely different places in life. Of course, Sydney was very young when it happened. Um, She didn't have tools like that at all. And noticing, though, that even though you had those tools, how devastating it still was. Even though you had these ways to move through it, there's nothing you can do, you know, really, except for move through it.
2: Except for move through it. But I will say, and I do lay out some of these tools in the book. The fact that I had, I knew myself. I mean, I was living more or less from the ground of myself. I mean, and I wasn't 20, right? And this is what I teach. That, and that I knew the practices I needed to have in place, to have a container, to be able to hold the enormity of what was coming apart, my personal container, and then as we just talked about having having friends around me. But, you know, honestly, I, I felt, you know, while I did not lose faith, I don't know why I, I didn't. I, I Faith in the friendly universe unfolding that has to do with a probably a very long, long term meditation and spiritual practice. Um, I did not have the certainty I would get through this. I didn't. I lost everything. I mean, literally all my resources he took. Everything. I went from zero to multi-million estate (laughs) to zero. Um, And my home, I had to sell it very quickly. I had to, my cat passed away right before I left. I mean, I closed my business down. Literally everything in the outer world that my identity (laughs) was wrapped around uh, was gone. So I did not have the certainty I would get through this. And, and, and that's why I said earlier, it was for me, I will apply everything I know. And let's see if it holds up and maybe not, maybe I'll be, I will you know, psychologically I'll implode. I'll be a bag lady. I'll be, you know, I don't exactly know. And at the same time, I have a lot of faith in, the fact that I am here and I chose to be here and I want to be in this life. And I'm committed to the awakening of the deep feminine on the planet right now. And I'm needed, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. And That's actually what I was going to ask you is, you know, it like you said, it's been about 10 years for you, right? Mm-hmm. Since this. Um, I mean, I would love to, maybe you can kind of briefly touch upon it of like, where you were, like what got you on your path? Because my dad's death in a large way, um, I was on a path before that, but it definitely pushed me deeper into my own path. But I would like to kind of hear when you got started because you would seem like you were far enough along that you had, like you said, that faith to kind of fall back into. So how did that begin for you even before
2: your husband? Um, That's a great question. And also, and I love hearing that you allowed the the trauma of that situation to move you on a path toward more of who you are. Because there are many, you know, many different choices that could be made along the way, and that wouldn't have had to be how it went. So something in your deep soul nature that could rise into that challenge. Um, so... That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I feel that's also a way to honor you know, to, the loving, the truth of the the being who who was and is your father. And that, you know that's I feel the same way relative to to David. And you know, what I would love to be able to say is that I could have come to who I am today without that <laughs> uh, because I it was an enormous waking up to me too. It was almost like there was with everything I already knew and wherever I was, it was like some plexiglass between me and the world or something is the way I would say it. And all of a sudden it was gone. And that rawness and vulnerability took me into corners of myself. I'd, From an embodied perspective, I really didn't fully know, but my spiritual journey, you know, I woke up, I would say, spiritually very young Um in like 17 or 18 where i had a profound spiritual experience that i had no context for because i did not was not inside a religious family at all or anything well that sort of let's say opened a certain pathway but one of the the other i would just say big catalytic turns for me in my own destiny was my mother's death and the two that was uh right she died very young um for me and i was just about to turn 30 and uh she had a heart attack so it was very tragic and very similar in that way it was like one moment she's my dry ground she's my best friend and then the next moment she's just gone and and i at that time i didn't know i I would say i did a spiritual bypass to to get through that um which was the best i could do at that time um but it did really move me on the path of it was a propelled me on the path actually to do the work that i'm doing now in the world N- not because it was just more like all right i got to make every moment count in my life and what is it i really want to do
1: yeah love that that's so beautiful I mean, I could just talk I mean, this is we've been talking, so I'm like watching the time because I know that yeah um, there's so many but, things, so so many yeah.
0: ways I could see the depth of so many different things. This I was just looking a to, podcast. I know <laughs> it could be and so many times. There's so many amazing people saying so many amazing things, and this is yeah, one of those. I'm just wondering, do you feel that looking back that you would have been the same person now if you hadn't had such tragedies? Um, in your life, what do you think might, I mean, of course we don't know. There's no way to know, but just kind of musing about it um,
2: well, where I know you this, were. This, this, is a, this is a great question because this is the nature or the essence of the book. You make your path by walking. I I don't know, but I do know that David's death was a profound transformational accelerator um, of my own life journey. And uh, as I said earlier, I would like to imagine I could have found that because everything was going to fall apart. He, he it, We would have lost a lot of things if he'd stayed, but he himself would have grown enormously. He would have had to come into more embodiment and he would have found, of course, this great circle of people around him and that everyone loved him for way more than all this, These external things. Um, You know, I can. It's been interesting when the book came out in June because I've, the months prior prior to that, and then after I've been on a lot of podcasts, I'm actually speaking about it now. So there's a very, you know, there's one thing to live it, as you asked earlier, Sydney. Then there's another thing to write it. Now there's something to be coming around again to talking about it where I can really. Uh, reflect on that and I, I think it's hard because if you were to say you have to give up this consciousness which I would say is part of my own my own journey in this lifetime and you could go back there and David wouldn't die and I don't know I don't know in terms of my own soul's journey if I would take that bargain and I actually one of the rituals I did I actually did it in a woman I was working with at the time where I did a guided visualization where I took myself back to the moment before I found David. And I asked, had her ask me the question, you know, do you step into this future that you don't know how you'll get through? It's uncertain. Do you choose up? Because I wanted the experience to, own the event even though i did not do it i did not choose that right i didn't could say i wasn't the one that took my life but that was such a powerful moment of a kind of potency to in this ritual process to just claim yes i step i i I claim the path that is opening up before me now and and you know here i am today um, it's interesting one last thing i'll say is you know i'm about to move from my little sanctuary here which i've been in this sanctuary for 10 years i left my estate um this is the studio behind my house and and i'm about to leave this like i'm and and there's a kind of the book has come out it's just like you were saying earlier sydney there's a kind of a synchronicity to why did you have this weekend, the the experience you did with your father where you could just let that come back in? And there's, I'm there right now because I'm having to decide what I take with me on this next phase. And I kind of moved in a lot of David's things and, um, and a lot of that's going to go. And it's kind of like, what's coming with me next in this next cycle?
1: I love that. I love where you're at on your journey. And honestly, there's just so much... I want to thank you because there's stuff that you're saying that you're not saying. Um, I'm just super spiritual and like very sensitive. And I don't know if you know anything about the human design, but I'm a projector.
2: So am I. Yeah, I okay. Teach it. Yeah. It's one okay. of the central things that I teach in my work.
1: Yeah. So I've already plugged right in. So you're. Oh, um,
2: so interesting. I'm,
1: yeah. I'm feeling yeah. like the, the pro it's, there's a lot happening. That's I'm never this quiet <laughs> on our podcasts but i'm just That's really <laughs> enjoying the 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 energy that i'm getting from all this because i it's interesting in my internal process right now i it's just great to see that there's someone sitting it's like i'm getting teary that there's someone sitting in the stands mm. that gets it at that mm. that deep dark place that no one else gets so for me it's been a gift mm. um, just knowing that you were it's like i've been looking in the stadium and for the first time I looked across and there's someone else sitting and it just yeah. gave me permission to, I'm not sure yet, but feel well, more I, deeply into it.
2: It's so beautiful because this is actually what's needed now is the capacity to go, to learn to see in the dark, you know, yin and yang, that, those symbols, well, we've discarded the the dark, which is the yin and just orient toward the yang, the light. And actually you know, our, I feel the, the I use the, the Persephone-Demeter myth, if you know that myth, where Persephone, it's a Greek myth, um, but basically in, in the work I do, it's basically, I feel one of the moves for women now is to embrace our deep, dark, the underbelly, like who we are, embodied nature, to be able to be in the dark and to be able to be in the light. Yes, but we need, we actually need both um because we are in very, very challenging times and they're not going to get easier uh, anytime soon here. And so who, who of us, um, the goddesses, the medicine, women, the mysterials, you know, can hold space in ourselves and our own crucibles for what has to fall apart and what has to come together. And you got a training. I got a training, Melissa, I'm sure you've had trainings in your life in many ways, like, and we took advantage of it to to I feel to be to be available so that yes someone can look across the stands uh, or read my book and say i'm not alone okay i can i'm i'm going through this but i can go through this and um not just survive actually okay. but you know mm-hmm. really live so fully through it that i become someone i can't even yet imagine mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah. It's beautiful. Thank you. Well, I'm definitely going to read the book. So
2: yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. There's so many things now that people, you know, can do. There's so many things available, you know, and I guess it's just getting that word out, you know, and that's another reason that we started doing this because we know of a lot of things that are available, you know, and we just want to kind of shout it from the rooftops. It's like, Hey, you don't have to struggle and suffer as much as, you know, you think that you might have to, or there's so many people, and so many books, and so many ways, and all of these things to support. Just like in you know the days of the circles, and there are now even more circles because Sydney and I just started um, a women's circle online. I just started another one in the wellness center. There, right. it's coming back because it's so needed. You know, all of these ways that we can get together.
2: Totally. Well, I did a a circle, an Equinox uh, Resilience Circle, on Saturday for I think there were over two hundred women. It was quite a. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing from around the world um, who were in that the field of that experience. And I opened the portal on that day, so just opened two days ago, to the a new container I'm offering called the Resourcing Sanctuary, starting October fourteenth for seven weeks for women, and it is basically going to be this, the the idea of it is it's like a deep field of holding. So we can get ourselves inside a really um, alchemical feminine field, get the the personal containers we need established to be able to hold, you know, what's coming down the road. So I don't know what time, when this uh, podcast is coming out, but um, if it's before October 14th, we're starting it on the solar eclipse, new moon of October 14th. That's yeah. also
1: the time in um, India when they start worshiping the Divine Mother.
2: Yeah, um, wow.
1: yeah, and that lasts for like
0: uh, nine days or so. So that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, this should this should be coming out whatever next Monday is. What's next perfect. Monday?
2: Yeah, so that
0: people. Yeah, can... it'll
1: be the first week of October actually. So it'll be perfect.
2: Oh, good. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah, <sighs> so amazing this conversation. Uh, it's There's been so
2: really great. I must say it's been very rich for me. I think I've really appreciated um, both of you and Sydney, your, I feel like we're walking, as you well, you said, your metaphor, but like, we're making our paths by walking, we're kind of walking side by side. And I loved the, the, um, uh, the vulnerability of your questions and your own lived experience that allows you to be in those questions in a particular way now.
1: Thank you. Yeah, and I just want to say to it that I think that it's, for me, The shattering of, and I'm not going to ask any deep questions about your husband's passing or anything like that, but I just know the way that my father chose to go, it made me think a lot about, because he chose to take out his own brain, right? Like that to me was, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: it's very interesting. It's like cutting off the mental body, which the, the masculine governs. And for me, it was like I almost allowed his crumbling to crumble the masculine mental body that I had, and that's what brought me deeper to my feminine. If that makes sense. Like it's I know it's like a very esoteric philosophical
2: yeah, thing, but it's
1: very real.
2: Yeah. It
1: brought me to that yin that you're talking about, and it. I cried for myself, but I cried for him. And I I just was like, and the and then for him, the world. You know what I mean? It's that's what I think the feminine is here to do as we remember is like you said, not to go backwards, but to remember to bring us forward because we don't have to have our men taking themselves out. We got to teach them to go to the heart and to feel that. And we are that energy that that guides them and that leads them. And they are that force that keeps us focused and growing. And we live together in that and it was like this beautiful unraveling for me in such a dark twisted way that brought me to that
2: i hear you yeah
1: understanding that that's that's what we're here to do
2: it's beautiful yeah that's beautiful i love i love to hear that and i'm excited for you to read actually both of my books because um i think the first book where the research we did around what is even feminine what does that even Mm. mean and the different faces of the feminine that i think we have to include and then what is really masculine and what does that mean in ourselves um and i think you'll you'll really enjoy that and then the second book of course which is then my lived experience of how to how did i work with those uh, forces in my own journey
1: yeah, yeah beautiful thank you so much for the work that you're doing and for having the courage to do it
2: thank you thank you yeah, and, and it's you both as well for
1: yeah It's just really like,
0: all of this is like so interesting to me, the way that how we started the podcast and now how we are moving through these different shifts in time, the masculine, the the divine masculine is popping up in our lives everywhere. And then this conversation is kind of like bringing in both aspects Mm -hmm. with someone who understands both sides of it and can teach people how to move. Into both of those ways of being. And then later, we're going to be talking to another man who's actually diving into the divine masculine and how interesting it is and how hard it is for men right now. But then we're going to move through this so that we can all come together, right? Eventually, in such, you know, no more toxic you know, masculine
2: well, no and more. We have to do, you know, the women as women, we have to do, we've got the inner patriarchy well installed. You know, these are this is really deep down in the in the yeah. DNA. I mean literally in the DNA, right? Yeah. So we have to do our own work here. But what I've discovered, and this is where the word mysterious comes from, is when we really do the shadow work and have access to our deep feminine nature and the shadow work around our own toxic inner masculine. And the healthy masculine comes up. Something comes. There's a sacred marriage that occurs, that is quantum, literally quantum, and this new way of being of consciousness that I call Mysterial comes comes in, and that's what I'm looking for. That's that is what we need, and and we need it to be the the ones that are, yeah, the the uh, that's change agents, <laughs> but not just because we're out there. Marching, which we also probably need to do for a lot of us um but because we're we are actually that consciousness that starts to form a new field for the future
1: yeah yep thank you every yeah. time it's just validation every single time right yeah I love that
0: well I guess it's time then we should move on to
2: the deep dive, deep dive five. five. <laughs>
0: So I'm going to ask you a series of five questions and then you oh. just, you know, whatever comes up, comes up, short answers, long answers, it's up to you. Okay. Question number 1. How do you define spirituality?
2: Well, then probably I'd say the the way in which we recognize our human journey as sourced and fueled by our divine nature whatever that however that translates i'd call that spiritual where we recognize our we recognize ourselves in an embodied way not the transcendent you know Mm. but in an embodied way um express our deepest authentic true soul nature
1: whatever you just said just changed everything for me I like saw it for the first time of like recognizing because, you you know, like when you meditate and stuff and you hear like we're all one and we are God and God is us and all those things. And it's like you sit there and I sit there with it and I sit there with it. And it's like I finally had this like internal experience of it in that blink of an eye, that second. And I'm going to get there. I don't have words, but it's almost like I was embodied and I recognize myself and how you said not the transcendental because we're always trying to get to God outside. And so we recognize God everywhere out here, but we don't see it in here. And for that, like, millisecond, I saw it there. So I don't know what to do with that. I just had to say it out loud. So when I go back and I re-listen to this, I remind myself. But thank you because that was like. I love that. I love that
0: because it's always the God inside. And that's what I've been noticing lately, too. Yes. (laughs) So what has been the best wisdom that you've received and that you live by?
2: I think it would have to be the um, trusting in the mystery unfolding, like really um, that, that's a kind of crone energy in that, you know, that I don't mean crone, by the way, as elderly, because the way I work with that archetype in my system, it's coming in. I mean, you clearly, Sydney, you've got a lot of crone as I work with that archetype very well coming in your system right now so it's not about the years on earth but there is something yeah in that energy that really lets me and i live like this unfold uh unfold the mystery you know i don't need to know everything and i i there's a partnering that allows what's trying to come into form that's beyond my little mind to come into form so i'd say that I've learned over the years and I am very useful.
0: What do you feel is the most vital emotion that we must express to heal and to feel well?
2: Well, actually, (laughs) this is the work I do. I would say we need all of, we need the whole emotional repertoire. In other words, the, learning to really turn toward the emotional body like a wave front, that there are waves that move in the great ocean and they're meant to move and they don't actually hold on for a long time if you if you can let them move. So they're all, to me, anger is a very beautiful wave of emotion that brings information that's essential as long as we don't act out of that. Grief does the same. Fear gives us information and often you know I say run toward your fear like it's usually at the, the portal and uh and of course joy and happiness and so I I can't pick an emotion. I think the the skill is or or the opportunity is to recognize we have this beautiful repertoire and we are not all of those feelings and that's about again holding the container big enough for us to have our actual experience, all the whole emotional repertoire.
0: When do you feel or have you felt the most seen and heard in your life?
2: You know, I'm going to use the, I don't know if in my life, I'm not sure if I can I can say that, but I can say that on my book launch day, that was very, very powerful for me. It was a big event. Um, and uh, I think there was something in the ritual way of coming up out of Hades, you know, With the, excuse me, where's my book? Here, This is my book. (laughs) You know, with the pearl of great price, like, I felt so loved. I had a lot of people there who had been with me from the moment it all came down. Then students, people that have worked with me in my work and friends and um, people I didn't know, you know, who, as I say, were just connected to what I do. And I felt um, so welcomed back. (laughs) You know, if you think of the underworld and the upper world or the myth of Persephone and Queen, um, uh, Queen Persephone, when she comes up out of the underworld, you know, from her descent, and she's grown so much. And I felt so loved and seen in all of my broken openness, you know.
0: And what do you believe happens when we die?
2: Oh, that's a big one. <laughs> well, in the strange way of things, uh, about two months before David died, I started devouring books, just uh, the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying, Journey of Souls, Destiny of Souls. I don't know if you know those books, but they're books, yeah, um, that talk about the sort of map out what happens after you leave this plane and what the, the transition is like. And I was comparing, you know, from, and I'd be saying to David at night, now, listen, this is how the Tibetan book, you know, this is how they talk about this process and it looks like, that and it's so similar to what this hypnotist says in The Journey of Souls. And um, and he would be like, you know, once you get a novel or something, this is so intense if you're reading. But I really feel, and I, I can say to you all, I feel I was being prepared. I feel my own guides and were were preparing me for having a map, uh, having a sense of where David might go. And it was so powerful for me. So I do feel that I have no, I don't, I can't say with 100% certainty in my brain, my mind, but my lived experience um, would be that our, true nature let's say the essence or the soul force is in a particular vehicle for a particular life and then there's a transition period in other dimensions in in where you kind of come into the great the great mystery and then uh and then choose to be come back in to keep your own consciousness and the consciousness of there's a, I feel like I have a buddy set for valve, so I think I'm I'm on the, you know I will just keep being here for some till whenever.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much for this conversation that was just amazing. love, love all of that. Um, so I'd like to make sure that we send people to wherever you are at and it looks like your website is myialwoman.com. And you are on Facebook, you're on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and I'm going to put all of these links in the show notes um, so that people can get to you. And I really um, believe that anybody that's going through any sort of trauma or um, grief needs to read these books because just the conversation without reading the books, I was just like, oh, wow, you know, the, there's some tools in there. There, This is a guide. This is a guidebook.
2: It is a guidebook, actually.
1: Yeah. Was.
0: For sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's be, there we go this is a guy transformation who, i felt it <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: true trauma and loss yeah. awesome
0: <laughs> yeah and i could tell you are a guide i mean this is yeah, just what you do exactly. and that's amazing. And when, you know
2: just in terms of human design since we're going to geek out on that sydney um that is first of all we are guides protectors are guides but i have one channel it's the 4323 which is Basically, to do exactly what we're doing here, which is between the Ajna and the throat. It's exp- it's basically bringing things in from other realms and being able to translate them through words, <laughs> you know, very explicitly uh, through the particular vibration of my voice. So um, that is what I absolutely love to do. It's what I'm here to do. And I will say you both created a very deep field for that, for me, I felt myself able to say things that I haven't often been able to say in in other podcast opportunities yeah
0: that's amazing yeah. and this I just need to say right now deja vu when she was saying that
1: I was just like whoa what's happening
0: yeah <laughs> just felt this fueled. like
1: really strange <laughs> like feeling that we just had this conversation before I don't know <laughs> that was amazing it's <sighs> the energy yeah yeah
2: thank you yeah so and much.
1: that's the thing there's so much being unsaid right now too <sighs> i know it's hard to let go of a projector it's hard to like how do you say bye to projector this I is know. what i noticed even I with know. my clients like it's, it's like true. how it's do like, you say together. bye? <laughs> <laughs> the
0: energy is lovely especially i'm surrounded it by both of you i'm just like this is lovely i'm not a projector but I'm someone that loves them very deeply
1: <laughs> she's a generator no okay. yeah yes yes she's generator. a generator yeah, that'd
2: be a good combo for you. Obviously.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. See, I'm over here. You <laughs> could kind of tell she's the one that generates, and then I have <laughs> I can only speak when I feel inspired. I can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. yeah. That's
2: a great combination.
1: Well, thank you so much. I highly encourage everyone to go and even start with the book. Check out the website, and we say this to everyone, but we hope to see you again. Yeah, would yeah. be
0: well, amazing. Yeah, there's so many more ways and more depth we can get um, with, you know, another conversation, so.
2: And I'll send probably. you a link to the, to the new program so you can put that on yes. the show because Oh, yeah, that
0: would be amazing. On uh,
2: Saturday, so, awesome. you know, people, yeah.
0: Yes. All right. All right. Thank you thank so you. much. Thank you. And we'll see everybody, um, at our next, uh, on our next episode. And, um, thank you so much for tuning in today for yourself, for us, and, For the world. Love you. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode. If you would like to connect with Suzanne, get a copy of her books, or check out her resourcing sanctuary, go to themysterialwoman.com. The link is in the show notes. Thanks again, and we will see you next time.